On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a new year means it's time for my annual New Year's predictions for each Tesla vehicle. We'll have some fun with that. Plus, the new UI in software version 11 is generating a lot of criticism in the Tesla community. Elon Musk talks full self-driving in a new interview and more. What's happening, friends? Alongside Zoe the Puppy, I'll explain that in a second. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is Ride the Lightning, your Tesla unofficial podcast here in 2022. It's January 2nd, 2022. As you hear this, as I release this, it's actually New Year's Eve uh, here in the early afternoon as I record it. And I am coming to you live uh, from, if this sounds a little different, I guess I'm not coming to you live. I'm coming to you whenever I recorded this. But in any case, uh, Zoe the puppy, that is my parents' dog that they adopted earlier this year. I am in Arizona visiting my parents and extended family for the New Year's holiday. Uh, I've uh, made my way down. So yeah, if the show sounds a tad different, it's because I'm using my travel mic, my, my backup microphone that I can easily take with me. My main one is a big hulking thing that doesn't really travel very well. But uh, yeah, backup microphone, so if I sound a little different, that is why. Uh, but yes, I hope the holidays have treated all of you very well. I hope you're all safe with loved ones and in good health. And I always, you know, every time I do the New Year's show here, which typically ends up being from my parents' house, as I, it's uh, generally come down here, I always wonder, well, is there going to be anything to talk about in the world of Tesla? And usually, almost always, the answer is yes, absolutely. And as it turns out, yes, there's plenty to talk about this week as well. Uh, and before I get to my headline topic this week, which if, if you've been listening for a year or more, you know that every year I do my annual Tesla predictions, where I run down for each car in the lineup, both present and future, I talk about something I think is going to happen with that car in the coming year. But before I get to that, uh, I want to talk about last week's big topic that affects all Tesla owners, and that is the big version 11 holiday software update. This, uh, this has been just echoing throughout the online Tesla community. I've got my own feedback and my own constructive criticism, which I do want to emphasize constructive criticism after now using it for the past week because, you know, I, I told you I, I was downloading it while I recorded last week's show. And what the pictures I had seen, I, I liked the look of it. I liked having some more color in the UI rather than more of the grayscale thing that we've had uh, for the last, what, version or two, at least the last couple of years or more. But uh, let's see here if my thoughts line up with yours, because I'm sure after now all of you have used it for the past week plus, you've got your own feedback on it as well. And I'll start with the first thing that happened is... Uh, my slacker problems that I talked about, what, two shows back, instantly returned after I installed version 11, which could not have been a coincidence. There had to have been something in there, some setting that, that was uh, reverted back. In fact, I actually had a whole spiel ready to go here where I would have begged my Tesla guardian angel, if such a person person does indeed exist, 
after the problem had magically gotten fixed for me the last time I brought it up here to try and work their magic again. But seemingly, Tesla did something, and perhaps you noticed it in your car as well. Tesla seemingly did something on their side once again to fix it. Because the last couple of days of driving that I did before I left for Arizona, and I, I flew here this time, I didn't drive. Uh, the last couple days, Slacker was great. The, the streaming music all worked wonderfully. So hopefully Slacker will continue to perform as designed and as expected for the foreseeable future. And I don't have to uh, complain about it anymore. Uh, on a related note, though, I will say with regard to playing music in the car, I don't like that the music player got rid of the time remaining on the track that used to be in small font down there. I really liked that. If I just like, so just, I don't know, I just like knowing how much time was left in a song so that if I had a, yeah, maybe I'd want to skip it or whatever, but I know I'm probably the only person that cared about that, but it's gone, and I thought I would mention that as I head into my uh, overall bit of feedback on version 11. And that overall feedback is this. I do like the look of it. Again, I will, you know, the, my, my opinion on the, the visual aspect of it hasn't really changed. Again, I like the color versus the relative grayscale, but... The thing that I'm going to criticize constructively that you're probably already thinking because you probably feel the same way is that just far too many things are buried at least two button presses away instead of one, which is a lot of these things that I'm going to mention were one button press away in the previous version of the UI. The tire pressure uh, monitoring system, TPMS, buried. Your efficiency on your current trip and since your last charge and lifetime, that is buried. And it's in the trips menu now, in the in the auto, you know, the main car menu under trips. Your LTE cell phone signal, your your data signal is buried. It's no longer anchored to the home screen. Seat heaters are buried. In fact, I don't think you can turn the seat heaters on from inside the car, because yes, you can do it in the app. But I don't think you can turn them on from inside the car without turning on the HVAC system. So that's strange. The record dash cam clip, you know, save dash cam clip, that is buried. And perhaps most unforgivable of all of these, in my humble opinion, the front and rear defrosters are buried. They are two button presses away instead of one. This is not good. Uh, this those last couple in particular are not great. Like the seat heaters, that's not that's not great. But the defrosters, like really the defrosters, those are essential functions of the car in any climate. Really, like you know, I live in very temperate, mild San Francisco, but it's been rainy. It's been still you know cool. It was in the 40s, and I need the the I need those two things, the defrosters. Now, yes, you can use voice commands. But first of all, uh, what I want to say to that is on the old UI, I would just be able to turn on the defrosters and it wouldn't mess with any of my other climate settings. Now, again, you have to turn on the HVAC just to get to the defrosters unless you're using your voice. But if you use your voice, I noticed it cranks the HVAC settings to high, which I don't necessarily want or need. And second of all, with regard to voice commands, 
I don't always want to interrupt the song that I'm listening to in order to pause it and do a voice command and then have the, the music resume playing. And really, third, the voice commands don't always work correctly. They're not 100% reliable. They work most of the time. But I was trying to turn on my daughter's seat heater in the in the back seat uh, on her side, and it did not do that correctly. Even though I gave the command I thought would be the correct thing, it didn't do it correctly. I ended up having to go dig into the menus while I'm driving to do it. So we have some flaws here. Now, on this note, I will say uh, after I installed the update, I uh, not only bothered by these things being buried, but I also couldn't even find where the tire pressure settings were after digging through the menus. It turns out they're in the service menu, if you also have not been able to find that. Nor could I find where to enable the biggest and most useful of the update's new features, the blind spot camera monitoring when you activate your turn signal. For And if, like me, you were lost trying to find it, and if by now you've probably still, you've probably found it by now, but just in case, it's in the autopilot menu. You have to, it's it's off by default when you install the update. You have to go and turn it on. I don't know why it's in the autopilot menu because it's not an autopilot specific function. I would think it should be in the driving menu, but I digress. I will say though, that feature, the blind spot camera monitoring, I love it. I think it is awesome. I think it's very useful, although I will say that owners of the new S and new X tell me that it puts it on their center screen, their new 17-inch landscape center screen, which, okay, except that those cars have an instrument cluster directly in front of the driver, and it would seem like it would make more sense to display the left or right turn signal camera monitor on either the left or right side of the binnacle of the instrument cluster screen. So hopefully that is something that will get revised in a, in a, a near future update. But as I said, my criticism is constructive. And here's the, the part where I'm going to get constructive. I think that most of my issues uh, that, again, I think seem to be generally shared, uh, there's a lot of common criticisms about just things being buried being the, the really the biggest problem with this update. This can be resolved if Tesla simply allows more of those functions to be added to the bottom app tray, the app launcher tray as shortcuts. You know, you can put your you can put your own apps down there like the, the stuff that you want. It'll put your most recently used apps down there until you replace it with another more recently used app. But currently, I will tell you that currently down there, I have the backup camera pinned farthest to the left, closest to me as the driver, because I use it all the time at stoplights to make sure that people don't get too close to my bumper when they're coming up to stop behind me at the light. I, I, you know, I, all it takes is for somebody to make one little mistake. And, you know, even if it's just like a little minor rear end tap, like I don't want that. So I always keep that up. And if I see somebody coming in a little too hot behind me, I'll move up a little because I, and if there's somebody in front of me, I always make sure I leave a lot of space. Anyway, so I use the rear view camera display a lot. I've got that pinned down there. Uh, I have, 
the music pinned down there as well, because I, I get into that all the time. And then that's really all I care about with regard to the stuff that you can pin in the current version of this version 11 UI. If I could pin the front defroster, rear defroster, seat heaters, and the record dash cam clip buttons down there, I would be happy. And yes, I realize I'm basically just wanting the same stuff that was down there previously, and, and but that's what I want. I like the idea of having a customizable bottom bar. Don't get me wrong. I just want to be able to add to it and not have things removed from there. Having the save dash cam clip button down there would be a very welcome addition. Or if I can't have it down there, Tesla, can we please just put it back where it was on the top rail of the screen? Because if, you know, if you want to save a clip, if you've just, you've witnessed something, you know, that you want to save for whatever reason, you want to have that within a quick one-touch reach, not buried in a menu somewhere. So, uh, now... As I often remind you, and is obvious from listening to the podcast, I am not a programmer, nor am I a software engineer, but my hope is that these additional shortcut options could be easily added. I mean, if Tesla does this with version 11.1, I think it would solve the biggest gripes that both I and many other owners have about this UI overhaul. And the good news is, is while vague, Elon did respond to my friend Tesla Raj about this general topic with Elon saying, quote, many UI improvements coming. So hopefully that means Tesla is taking in all this feedback and they're going to add, you know, allow you to shortcut more stuff than just the apps. Like, let's let's get some more shortcuts in there. And that should hopefully really take care of a lot of the the biggest gripes. Now, on a side note here, and to end on something positive about the UI, I will say of the of the changes, the layout changes, I really like the new implementation of the home link button that automatically pops up uh, based on your GPS location, which it used to as well. It would drop down, you know, in green font, green text from the top rail. Uh, but I, I like that it's just it pops up right there in the lower left-hand corner of the screen closest to the driver's right hand. So I like that. I like that you can just hit that right there. Uh, that's a nice improvement. It really makes it feel uh, like it was designed that way from the start. So that's that's a good implementation. Oh, and by the way, one more bit of software update-related good news. And this one's specific to you Model S Plaid owners. You should be getting an update any moment now, if you have not already, that grants you track mode. Uh, I think I just talked about this on last week's podcast in the Ride the Lightning hotline section. Somebody had called in about it, and I had said I thought that the uh, track mode for the Plaid might come either with the 200 mile per hour top speed update that's expected, or worst case, the arrival of the carbon ceramic brake package, which is expected in mid-22. But even better, track mode is here now. So for you Plaid friends, have fun out there on the track. That is going to be good times to go play with that in a nice, safe, 
controlled environment. Oh, and uh, by the way, one more thing I'd like to add that I love about version 11, and that is the holiday light show. It's awesome. It's really fun. My whole family, so the, I was down at my brother-in-law's house, and my mother and father-in-law were in town for Christmas as well. So it was a big group of us. We're all, we're all down at, at my brother-in-law's house, So and I just installed the update that day. It was Christmas Eve. And so after it got dark, I said to everybody, I didn't tell them what it was. I just said, oh, I have a holiday surprise for everyone outside. And so they're all like, okay. Uh, and I think they probably all figured out that it was something car related. But I brought them all out and I turned on the holiday light show in my Model 3. And and it was, let me, let me just clarify, this was... From nieces and nephews, basically it was ages 13, actually including my daughter, I guess, 10 up to my 70-something mother and father-in-law. So we had a whole age range of people. Everybody loved it, myself included, by the way. Uh, everybody loved it. It was so much fun. In fact, uh, and I, I'm no hyperbole here, everyone was still talking about it on Christmas Day the next day. When we reconvened again to exchange gifts and, and enjoy a dinner together, everybody was still talking about, oh, that, that light show was so cool. So I love that the entire Tesla fleet can now get in on the fun of the holiday light show, uh, not just the Model X owners. Of course, the Model X owners still get the amazing dance with the Falcon wing doors and the powered front doors, but uh, everybody can get in on the fun now which is really great. And by the way, the custom songs and dances that the community is going to make and has already started to make, those are going to be crazy fun. Those are going to be so much fun. And it's uh, that's just going to add a lot more just, you know, fun-spirited, good-natured good, good fun to the Tesla ownership experience. All right. With V11 feedback from me out of the way, let's get to my Tesla predictions, my sexy cars, S3, X, Y, C, A, R, S predictions. Before I, as is tradition, before I get to this year's predictions, we're going to go back and review and score my predictions from last year to see how well, or more accurately, how poorly I ended up doing. So for 2021, this was back on episode 282. For Model S, again, I'll run through these quickly. For for Model S, I said, I'm going with yes, there will be a total Model S redesign in 2021, interior and exterior. So, and I said, it is time for the Model S 2.0. Well, I'm going to have to give myself a half a point on that because we did get a total interior redesign, but we only got a slight tweak to the exterior. And I was pretty clear in my prediction in saying that there would be a total Model S redesign interior and exterior in 2021. So I cannot in good conscience give myself the full point, but I'm going to give myself a half a point on that one. For the Model 3, I said, I'll make a production prediction. Unfortunately, Tesla doesn't give individual vehicle production numbers. They combine S and X and three and Y. So I'll be aggressive and say 800,000 combined cars produced 
for the three and the Y in 2021. Now, technically, I can't officially answer this until next week when Tesla releases their production and delivery numbers for both the quarter and thus the entire year. But I am going to confidently give myself the point on this one. They are very much on pace to hit that number. And remember, too, that there were so few Model S's and X's delivered in 2021 that if the number that we get next week is really anywhere north of 800,000, it really will be pretty much all threes and Y's. So I'm giving myself the point there, making my tally one and a half out of two points possible so far. For the Model X, I said, I'm going against my Model S prediction, and I'm saying that the Model X doesn't get any major changes inside or out in 2021. It's not as old as the S, and it's not getting, uh, oh, and if it's not getting a plaid model next year, there's no immediate reason to redo it from the ground up. Well, sound the buzzer. I got that very wrong. The Model X, of course, did get the same full interior redesign as the Model S did, and it did get a plaid model, and I can report to you this on this episode that the first few plaid Model Xs did get delivered to customers in the final few days of 2021. But again, still, I definitely cannot give myself even a fraction of a point on that one. I was pretty darn wrong, so no points there. For Model Y, as we move S3X and now Y, I said last year, I'll go with this for my Model Y 2021 prediction. Since we don't actually know much about Giga Texas, I'll say that the Y won't start production out of there by the end of 2021. I'll say that the Model Y doesn't start coming out of Texas until 2022. And here I have to say that I hate to be correct on this one, but I was. I will award myself the full point. We sadly did not get any production Model Y out of Giga Texas as of yet, though we have seen at least some pre-production test Model Ys coming out of there. They appear to be very close, so I will give myself the point on that one. Now, C for Cybertruck. I said, when the first public deliveries happen, when will that be? I said, November was my prediction. Now, I could pull an Elon on myself and say, well, I didn't say which November. <laughs> and by pulling an Elon, I mean people in the community will half-jokingly do that with Elon timeline predictions where he says, you know, yeah, maybe in Q4, people will go, well, he didn't say which Q4. So <laughs> I could I could pull that on myself here, but of course, that would be trying to fool myself. That and the name of the entire segment was 2021 Tesla predictions. So yeah, it was a big bummer, both to me, but especially to the 1 million plus of you out there who have Cybertruck reservations that the Cybertruck did not start production in the fall of 2021 and is in fact looking like it's going to be a full year later in fall of 2022 instead. A, for the ATV, I said the Cyberquad won't be available as an accessory for the Cybertruck in 2021 at launch. Well, I... It's admittedly kind of lame on this one, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to be tough on myself here, and I'm only going to give myself 
a half a point because we did get a cyber quad in 2021. We did get a Tesla ATV, just not the real one. We got the cyber quad for kids. So I'll say half a point on that one. All right. R for Roadster. I said, I predict another year of radio silence on this car. Now, to go back and review that prediction, the only tangible update we got on the new Roadster happened in January. So nearly one year ago now, when Elon tweeted in January of 2021, finishing engineering this year, meaning 2021, production starts next year, meaning 2022, aiming to have release candidate design drivable late summer. Tri-motor drive system and advanced battery work were important precursors, end quote. And then I suppose, actually, there was one other update I guess I would consider meaningful that we got on the Roadster in 2021, because in September, Elon tweeted, quote, assuming 2022 is not mega drama, new Roadster should ship in 2023. So, all right, it wasn't radio silence, but it practically was. We did not see a new prototype, which, as I've predicted before, will almost certainly have a refreshed design over the 2017 prototype, because by the time this car actually does ship in 2023, it will have been six years between the design of that prototype and the release of the car. That is an entire generation of time in the car world, an entire automotive generation. So certainly we're going to have a refreshed design. Uh, we also didn't learn anything about the SpaceX package, uh, other than that we learned it's going to be 0 to 60 in 1.1 seconds. We didn't learn anything about the final specs of the car. Uh, now, you did hear me recently speculate, after the quad motor Cybertruck news came out, that the Roadster would also be a quad motor. And as you may recall, I threatened to print out my show notes and eat them if I was wrong on that one. So stay tuned for that. But anyway, I will give myself a half a point on this one. And finally, uh, reviewing the last of my 2021 predictions for the Tesla Semi, S for Semi, uh, I said, I, said uh, I think that Tesla will have the first deliveries in 2021. Uh, I imagine it'll be late 2021, but I predict Tesla will have a launch event for the Semi that shows off autopilot for the Semi, the final range, and all the big corporate client reservation holders like Walmart will be in attendance. Well, we don't yet, as of me recording this on the 31st, we don't yet have confirmation on whether or not Pepsi did indeed take delivery of even one Tesla Semi by December 31st, before the calendar flipped to 2022. But we definitely know that there was no launch event showing off anything, showing off the Semi's version of autopilot, the final range, etc. So I'll give myself a half a point on this one, unless it turns out that Pepsi did not get at least one truck delivered to them by the end of the year, in which case I will rescind that half point and give myself zero points. So the final tally, I got four out of a possible eight points for 2021. And going back a little further, if you're curious, I got three out of six possible points in 2020. So I think what that says is either that 
I'm really bad at this, or that Tesla is so nimble and unpredictable that it's tough to predict exactly what they're going to do in a given year. And just maybe it's both of those things at the same time. But anyway, all right, let's get now to the, the main event, my 2022 Tesla predictions. Again, I'll do these by car, sexy cars, S3, XY, Cybertruck, ATV, Roadster, Semi. Starting with the Model S, we of course just got the Plaid in 2021, complete with an all-new interior. It appears that we're getting new taillights on this car in 2022, or at least slightly refreshed ones. So what can I say about the Model S at this point? I think I'm gonna make a bold prediction here. I'm just gonna swing for the fences. There's a good chance that I'll end up revisiting this in a year from now and, and I'll laugh about this one and give myself a zero. But here we go. We know that the Lucid Air is technically available as a 520 mile range car. I say technically because as they, and I, I don't say that disparagingly, but as they ramp up production from scratch, those cars are going to be pretty tough to come by for a while. So they are, but they are officially in the market. Setting them aside, just looking at Tesla itself though, forgetting about any comparison to the competition, the Cybertruck, should it indeed debut by the end of 2022 in its top end quad motor form, which will almost certainly include that 500 mile range battery originally promised of the tri-motor Cybertruck back in 2019. And so uh, what I'm saying here is I, I say it doesn't make sense for the $90,000 quad motor Cybertruck, that's my guess on the price of that, but we'll, we'll talk Cybertruck in a minute, hang tight. I don't think the Cybertruck, the quad motor 500 mile range Cybertruck will have 25% more range than the $95,000 Model S. The Model S is, is likely to cost uh, more than the, than the quad motor Cybertruck. And thus, my prediction is that Tesla will offer a Model S on the 4680 battery pack by the end of the year at the same, around the time that the Cybertruck debuts and that that Model S will have a range greater than 520 miles so that it beats both the Cybertruck in range and the Lucid Air and thus everything else in the market. We'll see about that one. Okay, my Model 3 prediction for 2022. And the Model 3 is another tricky one to predict. By Tesla standards, it really hasn't changed much in its four and a half years on the market. Every body panel is exactly the same. The wheels have been refreshed. The Or in, in the case of the Performance Model 3, completely changed out. The center console has been revised. But the car, every piece of sheet metal is the same on the exterior. It's, and, and I've talked about how, uh, recently in fact, I've talked about how we have not seen Elon or Tesla talk at all about moving the Model 3 to the 4680 battery cells, nor have we heard about the Model 3 being built in either of the two new factories that are coming online. And as such, I don't think the Model 3 will get anything crazy in 2022, like, say, its own plaid mode. 
I think it would probably need the 4680 cells and a structural battery pack to go there. So I'll go with this for my prediction. I predict that the Model 3 will get new paint color choices for 2022. And I will explain why when we get to the, well, the Y, the Model Y, in just a moment. Model X first, though. S3X. And with the Model X, I say this. It's awesome that the first deliveries of the Model X Plaid have begun. Very happy to see that. And all of you with orders for one of those will get your car in 2022. It is a, a just as a reminder about this insane vehicle. The Model X Plaid, a full-size seven-seat SUV that can do zero to 60 in 2.5 seconds. That just, like, stop and think about that for just a quick second. It's wild. And can we also, by the way, talk about the fact that the Model X is now in its seventh year on the market and seventh year with zero competition. Think about it. There is not a single other full-size electric SUV on the market as of yet. Porsche does not have an electric Cayenne. BMW doesn't offer an electric X7. Rivian has not yet started production on the R1S. And I'm not even actually sure if the R1S is going to be considered a full-size or not. So the full-size, it doesn't exist. Mercedes doesn't sell an electric GLS. And I suspect all of those are probably, probably because, A, the size of a full-size SUV just makes makes it a tough problem to solve. You need a big battery because you need to facilitate a lot of range. And it's, just, it's a big, expensive, difficult problem. And B, the crossover SUV market that the Model Y is in is a much bigger market anyway. So if you're going to be a, a competitor, if you're, gonna, if you're a, a non-Tesla entity, non-Tesla automaker, you're probably going to want to target the crossover market instead of the full-size SUV market. And that's why we have the Mustang Mach-E, the ID4, etc. But anyway, for the Model X, I will make the boring prediction and say that the Model X doesn't see any major updates or changes in 2022. The Plaid X is only just starting to roll out as the calendar flips to 2022. But and and that's why I just think that's all we're going to see. I think that was that was a big change that was a year in the making and so I think the Model X will just be the new Model X in 2022 with no range change, no significant range changes, features, functions, etc. I'd love to be wrong, but I suspect that the the new X that we're just now getting is this is the one is the car that we're going to get for at least the next year. All right, the Model Y. My prediction for the Model Y. We have been teased with new paint colors coming out of Giga Berlin, which of course are going to be used on the Model Y since that's the vehicle being manufactured at Giga Berlin. And so that is where my earlier Model 3 paint color prediction comes from. I think the paint colors will get translated from Berlin to Texas and yes, even Fremont. And by the way, Tesla insider Sawyer Merritt did post a photo sent to him 
of a deep crimson Model Y. He's, he, the pictures were of a few kind of close-up little angles, but you gotta, it was definitely a real picture. It was not a Photoshop fake thing. So we are getting closer. So uh, anyway, that was Model 3. My actual Model Y prediction, and I'm going to predict for 2022, the same thing I've been saying for a while, but in 2022, we will know for sure whether or not I was right or wrong. I think the Model Y 2.0, as I've been calling it, the one with the 4680 battery cells and the structural battery pack, will not, not have a materially different range or performance envelope than the existing Model Y. I think there's going to be a transition period from the 2170s in Fremont to the 4680s in Texas and Berlin, and I think Tesla will opt to use fewer cells in each car and have the range stay equivalent to the 2170 cars and instead build more cars with their limited 4680 battery cell supply, particularly when they are already selling every Model Y they can build. I just don't think it makes sense for them to put more cells in and have a have you know a, a significantly increased range on the 4680 based Model Ys. Not yet, anyway. I think they're going to need to transition completely off of the 2170s before that happens. All right, those were the sexy predictions. Now the cars predictions for 2020, 2022, starting with Cybertruck. I will go with what I've talked about in episodes past and I alluded to earlier in this prediction segment, the price points for the Cybertruck. I predict the quad motor Cybertruck base price, i.e. before the what will almost certainly be very few options there are likely to be, namely FSD will be the the big $10,000 option, but I think the base price of the quad motor Cybertruck will be about $90,000 or maybe $89,990 since that's how Tesla tends to price stuff. And as for the dual motor, my prediction there is $70,000 or $69,420. Just literally just because of Elon's sense of humor and we know how how much he loves the Cybertruck and how much that project means to him, I think he will take that opportunity to go with 69420 as the price of the base uh, dual-motor Cybertruck because we know he's done it before. The pre-refresh Model S, if you remember back when they were still selling the what was the equivalent of the 75D Model S, that car was 69420 as its base price. So that's those are my Cybertruck predictions. Now for the ATV... The Cyberquad for kids, I will say this, it that that toy, if you want to call it that, it has convinced me that the real Tesla ATV will get made because I had previously doubted that it would ever end up getting made. However, I still don't think it will be made anytime soon. So I will repeat last year's prediction and say that the ATV will not be available in 2022 alongside the launch of the Cybertruck itself. I think it's going to be a while before the Cybertruck before the Cyberquad is available. R for Roadster. Well, let me say this about the Roadster. And that is I really can't wait for next year's predictions 
because that is when I think it's finally going to get fun with the Roadster. But once again, it's obvious that the Roadster is at the very bottom of Tesla's to-do list. And by the way, I completely understand why. I get it. So for 2022, the question remains, I think, will we even get any meaningful updates on the Roadster in 2022? Will it even be mentioned in Elon's product roadmap update that we're expecting to get on the earnings call in just a few weeks? I'm honestly not sure. I tried asking him on Twitter a couple weeks ago, by the way, like, will we get a Roadster update at, on, at the earnings call? He didn't respond. So no, uh, nothing there that I can offer. I definitely don't think we'll see what the inevitably updated design looks like. Because again, remember, the final design drivable was supposed to be finished a few months ago. So even accounting for delays on that, it's likely done now. That final design drivable probably exists at the design studio in Hawthorne, California. And if it doesn't, it's probably going to be finished very soon. I mean, heck, we still don't even know what's in the Founders Series version that's going to get built first and cost an extra $50,000. Remember, I had mentioned recently that the Founders Series version is no longer even on Tesla's website meaning it's perhaps sold out or just not being offered anymore for whatever reason. Anyway, to finish this up, I'm going to have to repeat another prediction here and say that we will not get any meaningful updates on the Roadster in 2022. And I say that uh, saying that I would love for Elon Musk to immediately prove me wrong on that earnings call that's coming up in just a few weeks. And finally, my final Tesla prediction for the other S, meaning semi, Tesla semi. This is a tricky one because we've been told that volume production isn't going to start until next year, 2023, but that Pepsi is taking delivery of what I guess we would call pre-production units. So, you know, and they've either already taken delivery or they will be doing so any day now. This project, if you remember, the semi project, it was Jerome Guillen's baby and he left Tesla in 2021. This truck is done. They just need to build it in quantity. Pepsi, I had to go back and look it up. Pepsi ordered 100 Tesla semis. So I guess I will predict that Tesla delivers Knowing that that we're not expecting volume production on the semi until 2023, I'll say this for my 2022 prediction on the semi. I'll say Tesla delivers no more than 10 of them in 2022 as pre-production trucks delivered to Pepsi that they'll be able to learn a lot from and adapt uh, that feedback for general production. And again, I'm saying no more than 10 delivered externally to Pepsi. There will, of course, be their own internal validation and testing fleet. But as far as Tesla semi-trucks delivered to non-Tesla people, non-Tesla entities, I'll say 10 of those 100 get delivered to Pepsi in 2022. And this this prediction may, be, may end up being one that 
I'm never able to get a proper answer to. So we'll we'll see. We'll see when we uh, revisit this in a year. All right, you know what? Actually, I'm going to give you a bonus prediction. One more bonus prediction not tied to a car, and it's this. I predict we will get a new Gigafactory announcement in 2022. Not any actual groundbreaking and certainly not any car production from a from another Gigafactory site that's not Texas or Berlin. But I think we'll get an announcement of a new Gigafactory in 2022. I think the next site is going to be chosen. It's going to be publicly revealed. And I'll even double down on this bonus prediction by saying where it will be. And I'll say regionally, if not specifically. But I think the next Gigafactory will be announced as a second Gigafactory in China. And here's why. Not only does Elon Musk seem to be very happy with that relationship, and you certainly can't argue with the speed and efficiency of that factory, both in, in terms of how it was constructed and the, the speed and efficiency at which it has operated since being opened. So we know that. But more importantly, I believe uh, that the $25,000 car, the future smaller Tesla, which we've been told is going to be designed in China uh, and initially built and sold there, I believe that car is going to need its own plant given the production volumes it's going to be targeting. Remember, this car is going to be projected. It's going to be targeted as Tesla's highest volume vehicle even more uh, per year than the Model Y. So China, to me, makes the most sense both geographically and in the context of that next major car in Tesla's product line. Mark me down for that bonus prediction. All right, let me move on with the rest of the Tesla news for this week. There is still more to talk about. And we'll start here. Elon Musk made his third appearance on the Lex Friedman podcast. Now, Lex, if you're not familiar, he's an MIT guy whose content focuses on technology and autonomy. Those are his big areas of, of focus. The interview between Lex and Elon is two and a half hours long, and it covers a lot of ground. But I've got a couple of clips here about the Tesla topics that came up. These aren't the only ones, but I just, again, want to give you a little sample platter and also give Lex's interview a plug. If you'd like to listen to the entire interview, you can go to Lex's YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Lex Friedman, and Friedman is spelled F-R-I-D-M-A-N. Or you can also, of course, look it up on your favorite podcast service as well. In this first clip, Elon is asked how he looks at the self-driving challenge as of today from that 10,000 foot view perspective. The problem, yeah. like the I, th I, thought, I thought the self-driving problem would be hard, but it's, it was harder than I thought. It's not like I thought it'd be easy. I thought it'd be very hard, but it was actually way harder than, than even that. So I mean, what it comes down to at the end of the day is to solve self-driving, uh, you have to solve, uh, you, you basically need to recreate um, what what humans do to drive, which is humans drive with optical sensors, eyes, and biological neural nets. Um, and so in order to 
that that's how the entire road system is designed to work with with uh, pa- basically passive optical and neural nets um, it, biologically. Um, and now that we need to, re- it, so for actually for full self driving to work, we have to recreate that in digital form. Um, so we have to um, that that means cameras with uh, advanced uh, neural nets in silicon form, uh, and and then you. It will obviously solve for full self-driving. That's, that's the only way. I don't think there's any other way. You know, I found this interesting because if you were to ask me, where do you even start when trying to solve the challenge of full self-driving? I'm honestly not even sure I'd be smart enough to give you a good answer. Like, how do you, where do you start? Full self-driving, how do you solve it? I don't, I'm not even sure I could start that conversation. But... So that's why I thought Elon's answer was interesting there. But translating the act of driving into the equivalent of using cameras in the form of our eyes and neural nets, a.k.a. our brain, I think that is a good way to take a top-down view of it. And then you, dr- you can drill into specifics from there. Uh, and just, you know, I've got, like I said, two clips. The, the other clip I wanted to play for you here, Elon is asked what he thinks Tesla, or excuse me, he was asked when he thinks Tesla will have cracked level four full self-driving. And he also goes on in this response to discuss a bit of what we can expect from FSD beta 11 in terms of what's going on under the hood. So take a listen to this clip. I mean, it's looking quite likely that it will be next year. And what does the solution look like? Is it the current pool of FSD beta candidates they start getting greater and greater as they have been degrees of autonomy. And then there's a certain level beyond which they can, they they can do their own, they can read a book. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you can see that anybody who's been following the full self driving beta closely, um, will see that the, um, the rate of disengagements has been dropping rapidly. So, like a disengagement be where where the driver intervenes to prevent the car from doing something mm-hmm. right. uh, dangerous potentially. So, um, um, so the, the interventions, you know, per million miles has been dropping uh, dramatically. At some point, the and and that trend looks like it, it happens next year. Is that the, 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 the probability of an accident on FSD uh, is uh, less than that of the average human and then and then significantly less than that of the average human um, so it certainly appears like we will get there next year um, then, then of course that, that, that then there's going to be a case of okay well we now have to prove this to regulators and prove it to you know and and we we, we want a standard that is not just equivalent to a human but uh, much better than the average human. I think it's got to be at least two or three times uh, higher safety than a human. So two or three times lower probability of injury than a human uh, before before we would actually say like, okay, it's okay to go. It's, it's not going to be equivalent. It's got to be much better. So if you look at uh, 10 point FSD, 10.6 just came out recently. 10.7 is on the way. Maybe 11 is on the way somewhere in the future. Yeah. Um, we, we were hoping to get 11 out this year, but it's... Uh, Eleven actually has a whole bunch of uh, fundamental rewrites on the neural neural net architecture, um, and, and some f- fundamental improvements uh, in 
creating vector space. Uh, so, um, so there is a some fundamental like leap that really deserves the eleven. I mean, it's a pretty cool number. Yeah, you know, uh, eleven would be uh, a single stack for all. You know, one stack a to rule them stack. all. Um, and uh, <laughs> but but there there are just some really fundamental uh, neural net architecture changes that that are that that will allow for. Um, much more capability, but but you know at, at first they're going to have issues. So, like we have this working on like sort of alpha software, and it's it's good, but it's uh, it's 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 basically taking a whole bunch of C C plus plus code and 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 leading a massive number, amount of C plus plus code and replacing it with a neural net. And you know Andre um, makes this point a lot, which is like neural nets are kind of eating software. First, I am glad to hear that FSD Beta 11 is still planned to be the one where the highway stack and the city streets stack merge into a single stack. I'm glad in the sense that it means that there haven't been any setbacks in that plan since Elon first mentioned it a while back. Second, I've learned to take Elon's naturally optimistic timelines. I've talked about this before. I think it is his inherent natural optimism, and I think that is a good thing, even if it can lead to, you know, getting a little invested in those timelines and being disappointed. But I, I think he's a naturally optimistic person. You got to just take those, <laughs> take that optim, those timelines with a big grain of salt. Now, uh, it's, I'm not going to place any Las Vegas bets on level four being accomplished by Tesla in 2022. But I will say this in all seriousness, from my little ant level view of FSD's progress with, with having the FSD beta in my car, I'm not surprised to hear that the FSD beta disengagement rate has gone way down because I have noticed it myself. The metric that I personally use to measure progress, I sort of realized this in my head when I was playing with 10.8 the other day. Well, I mean, I've been playing with 10.8 for, yeah, for like a week. Is anyway, I, I, my metric is how often do I yell at it? Because when I first got it, which I think was 10.2 or 10.3, I think was my first version. I can't quite remember, but... Uh, when I first got it, I yelled at it constantly. I would just yell at it as if it were a person sitting next to me. Now, I don't yell at it as much. I just don't. It is the 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 rate of yelling has gone down. Uh, it really has. It's gotten noticeably better in a relatively short amount of time. And again, I'll I'm going to talk more about my experience with the current version 10.8 later on in the podcast. And by the way. Uh, Elon does go into some more technical kind of behind the scenes detail about how FSD beta 11 is different architecturally. So be sure to listen to that full interview on Lex Friedman's channel. If you do want to hear more, uh, next up this week, news of this sort is never particularly fun, but I certainly in doing an honest Tesla podcast every week, I do feel obligated to pass along word of two recalls in the Tesla fleet. Many of you are likely to be affected by this as it impacts a lot of Model 3s as well as the Model S as well. I first saw this on Bloomberg, so let me give my credit there. 
and they write in their story, quote, Tesla plans to recall all Model 3 vehicles made between 2017 and 2020. That's as many as 356,309 cars. The cable harness for the rear view camera may be damaged by opening and closing the trunk and prevent the image from displaying, the company told the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Tesla is also recalling as many as 119,009 Model S cars assembled from 2014 because of a faulty front trunk latch that could cause the hood to open unexpectedly, according to a separate NHTSA statement also posted on its website. The company said it will fix both issues free of charge. NHTSA said Tesla identified 2,305 warranty claims that may be linked to either of the two glitches, but the automaker is not aware of any related crashes, injuries, or deaths. So obviously, uh, that means most of the Model 3 fleet, at least for the time being, since it is every single Model 3 aside from the 2021 and now 2022 owners out there. Now, as for you affected Model S owners, Tesla has already sent out emails regarding this recall. I want to say thank you to Sean Bloom and to Jamie Ortegan for forwarding me. Jamie, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. If, if not correct, let me know an email so I get it right for the future. But both of those uh, fine folks for forwarding me the actual email as a heads up. Now, uh, I also just today, New Year's Eve, Friday for me, uh, I just got the Model 3 email from Tesla as well. So that uh, if you have not, you probably already have that in your email box by the time you hear this as well. If your car is affected by that rear camera, uh, you know, wiring situation. Now, obviously, it's never great to hear about recalls and it's even worse to be affected by them. It's no fun. But it sounds like no accidents have happened so far due to either of these, and hopefully none will, as Tesla now moves to address them in the coming days and weeks. If we're lucky, hopefully mobile service is going to be able to take care of most of us on this, thus minimizing the inconvenience for those customers who are affected. Finally this week, If you are taking delivery of a 2022 Model 3 or Model Y, I have got some good news for you. It comes via Teslascope, who writes, and by the way, provided photo evidence alongside it, the first Model 3 and Model Y vehicles with MCU3 are now being produced and delivered in North America. New Model 3 and Y vehicles also include the new lithium-ion 12-volt battery. These vehicles also have a brand-new front camera housing. No details at this time whether this may also include new cameras, since this interestingly differs from the upgrades and changes seen in the new Model S and Model X. Now, if you're curious, I know I've been talking on this podcast about uh, this new MCU being MCU 2.5, Teslascope requested comment from a pretty good source, none other than noted Tesla white hacker Green the Only, on whether or not this is indeed the same setup as the new S and new X, you know, 
the setup that has 10 teraflops of horsepower and can play Cyberpunk 2077 at 60 frames per second. Green said he wasn't sure, but then another Twitter user presented some photographic evidence of the new Model Y chip. Green took a look at that and said, quote, yes, this does look like the same GPU. So it's not definitive quite yet, but it is looking good that the, that all the new threes and whys are in fact going to have the same high-octane gaming rig in them that the new S and the X have. And I will also add that if this does indeed turn out to be the case, I will have to admit to being very pleasantly surprised because as I've talked about on the podcast, I really thought that only the high-end vehicles, you know, the S and the X, would get that big old GPU that's suited for high-end gaming. But if every car is getting this moving forward, that will be awesome. That would be so great. And it will definitely, by the way, get me wanting a paid retrofit upgrade. Although, with regard to that, I'll say the same thing as when word of this new AMD Ryzen-based APU first broke a few weeks ago, and that is... I can't imagine that a retrofit is going to be available to us existing 3&Y owners for quite some time. Quite some time. Not until the chip shortage is firmly behind us. Because until then, until the time when the chip shortage is officially over, I have to imagine that Tesla is going to want to put every chip it can get its hands on into a new car that it can sell to someone rather than using that chip as a small peanuts upgrade to a car like mine that they've already sold. So uh, regardless, this is very exciting, very cool news uh, that, that the newest Teslas of all, all four, S3, XY, are all like basically modern gaming consoles now. That is awesome, awesome stuff. All right, boy, I have talked for quite a while. In fact, I've talked so long that I think I will leave the Ride the Lightning hotline for next week. Uh, I've got plenty of good calls queued up, but I want to be respectful of your time here. Make sure the show stays you know, around an hour so that you can actually get through the whole thing. But I will remind you that I welcome and invite your phone calls to the Ride the Lightning hotline. I think it adds a lot to the podcast, and I would love to hear from you. If you have comment on anything happening in the world of Tesla or if you have a question for me that I can either answer or perhaps get answered by the wider Ride the Lightning audience, you can give me a call in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record that question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many calls each week as possible. And again, I promise I will get to them next week. And then email that file to me. The email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. As my voice cracks a little there, <laughs> start to run out of steam here today. It's only 2.55 p.m. I can't run out of steam yet. Uh, you can also send in that Ride the Lightning phone call via the hotline itself. You just call and leave a message. And I have a toll-free number for you to do just that, which you can call anytime, day or night, and that toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. 
And with that, I will take a quick little, what, five-second break here and come right back with your pro tip of the week and my thoughts on the 10.8 build of full self-driving beta because I do have a lot to say. So stay tuned for that right after this. All right, my thoughts on FSD Beta 10.8, which I've driven around about a week now, and boy, am I pleased with this. Now, I know I've, I've seen plenty of mixed reactions to it. I think that's just going to be the general nature of FSD Beta. Uh, it's used by different people in different driving scenarios and in different cities, and there's just there's so many variables, but for me... You may recall, uh, I was on the verge of opting out of the FSD beta entirely because I talked about how uh, how awful the vision-only highway autopilot, the production highway stack, not even the FSD beta itself, the production highway stack was phantom-breaking me like crazy. It was making my wife nuts. It was making for uh, a, an autopilot situation that I could no longer trust as being reliable the way I could with my radar-assisted system previously. But I thought, all right, I'm going to give this at least one more version and see how it goes. And in the release notes for FSD Beta 10.8, it specifically said that it was addressing false slowdowns, which is Tesla's term for phantom braking. And it's, I believe if, I don't have them in front of me, unfortunately, I should have, but the release notes had said that uh, reducing false slowdowns on cut-ins by 10, by 50%, by 50%, meaning, and that was the exact problem that I was frequently encountering, where I would be, again, on the highway, highway stack, not the beta, not the full self-driving beta itself, but on the highway, I'd be going down one of the middle lanes, and then someone would merge from two lanes over to the lane next to me and the car would hit the brakes thinking that that car was coming over to hit us. And I have to say, I have now put at least, let me think about this. Uh, Let's see. I would say I've put at least 250 miles, highway miles, by the way, if not closer to 300 miles, I've made a number of trips on up and down the peninsula in the San Francisco area. Uh, anyway, I put a few hundred miles on it, and it is so much better. It is, in fact, I actually, I would say it's almost cured for me. I, I, cured is not the right word, but it is so much better. And it has been tested repeatedly where I've actually, you know, I, with my foot hovering over the accelerator... I've 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 seen a car from two lanes over start to come over at me, you know, because it's just coming over one lane. And I'm looking over, I'm watching, and, I, and I'm ready to hit the accelerator if the car hits the brakes, and then the car doesn't flinch. In other words, the car is behaving how it needs to behave. And so uh, I, I, there were plenty of, like, the sample size is pretty good, is what I'm trying to say on this. And it's so much better. In fact... Really, I only had it happen once in those few hundred miles that I've done. And and really, even that one time, 
it, it only f- blipped like two miles per hour. Like I could just barely perceive it. My wife didn't even look up. She was on her phone. We were going down to family's house. And so it is so much better. Again, not going to call it cured, but in my experience driving on the same roads, the same circumstances, the same kind of everything, the problem is so much improved for me. Uh, And by the way, I'd like to also add the vision only system that's, you know, now uh, at least on my build on FSD 10.8. Again, on the highway, I'm not talking about the FSD beta on city streets, on the highway, it was raining real good here in San Francisco over Christmas, and uh, the vision system performed flawlessly. It was it performed admirably. It did a great, great job. Now, yes, if you get heavy enough rain, it's still just as ever. It'll say navigate on autopilot, unavailable, heavy weather detected, and it will turn navigate off, so it's not going to do your automatic off ramps and all that stuff, but it will still, you know, it's still on autopilot. It's still going to keep your lane and keep you going. And it just, it handled it like a champ. It did a brilliant job. So, uh, I just want to say in all sincerity, thank you to the Tesla autopilot team. I mean, they, they obviously knew this was a significant issue. They took a, a very, uh, they, they clearly invested a lot of, uh, time and energy into, addressing it with beta 10.8 and what i'm curious of is whether or not the these uh changes are out in the the regular production software or if uh or if the rest of the fleet is is having to wait a little longer to get these these false slowdown improvements I hope the point is I hope everybody gets it very soon if they don't if they don't have it already because yeah it's it's really made a tremendous difference for me. I can honestly say again after a few hundred miles that it has restored the confidence that I had that I used to long have in autopilot on the freeway that was shattered by the vision only system on FSD beta prior to this. My confidence is restored uh Great work, very much appreciated to the, to the Tesla autopilot team. And and actually, I want to say one other kudos to them as well, because 10.8 in those release notes also promised to use regen braking more when on autopilot, and it has done just that. It, and I have to say, it makes, and I think all of you know what I'm talking about, whether you're on vision only or radar you know, you we're, we've all lived through this where autopilot will, you know, if, if you're on the freeway and there's some seriously slowed traffic up ahead on the freeway and, but your car will just autopilot will just keep going right at full, you know, your full speed until it gets to braking distance. And then it tends to brake pretty firmly. Uh, it's now backing off sooner it's using regen braking, and it feels like a much smoother, more human-esque drive. So the the false slowdown, phantom braking thing, that was priority one in my for me, and that has significantly been improved. But I have to say this, finally including regen into autopilot, also a very welcome, very significant and noticeable difference. So um, I am no longer 
about to opt out of the FSD beta. I'm I'm back in, baby. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm back in and feeling good because it really like it got to the point where uh, not only did I not want to use it with my family in the car, but when I would use it with my just me in the car, it was training me to to keep my foot hovered over the accelerator all the way down the freeway just in case it hit slammed on the brakes i could just correct it but as you can probably imagine that's not a good habit to be in because if there really is a a bad situation and the car stops and i'm now programmed to <laughs> you know i've been programmed to hit the accelerator because it's probably a false slowdown well yeah that could be a recipe for disaster so uh, I am extremely pleased with this update, and I'm just grateful to the Tesla Autopilot team for rapid iteration and really uh, addressing this in a meaningful way. It's like, it's not that it's a little, like, when the release notes said 50%, I was like, okay, so this is still going to happen. It's just maybe going to happen half as much, but... Again, in my experience, which may differ from yours, but in my experience, it is all but gone. And I am so thankful for that. All right. Uh, hey, entertainment recommendation real quick. Uh, I haven't done one of these in a while, I think. On Netflix, there is a new stand-up comedy special from one of my favorite comedians, Jim Gaffigan. It's called Comedy Monster. And I'll just I'll note it here because Jim Gaffigan works clean. He always has. So you don't have to hide the kids for this one. You can uh, you can have it on with the family. He's he's so I I think he's hilarious. Great special. Check that out if you're interested. All right. Hey, how about a pro tip of the week? But real quick before I go, it comes from Andre in Miami. Go ahead, Andre. What's going on, Ryan? This is Andre from Miami, Florida. And before I even give you my tip, I just want you to know, I only listen to like a handful of podcasts and you're the host of two of them. So obviously and numerically, that makes you my favorite podcaster. (laughs) Anyway, here's a tip that I have. So I've discovered recently when you have a software update and you know the countdown that comes on your display before the software update is installed. If you tap on the countdown a few times on the screen, it would immediately initiate the installation of the software. That's great for you don't want to sit there a whole two minutes and wait for software goodies from Tesla. Anyway, I just wanted to share with you guys. You and Daisy, have a good day, brother. Andre, thank you very much for the kind words. And thank you for that tip. That's a good one. I use that one myself. Sadly, it doesn't work on the app, only in the car itself. But... It is still a useful one. Happy New Year to you, Andre. And by the way, if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, I would love for you to share it so that I can share it with everyone and also get educated myself. You can send that in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. I gave you the call-in information for that earlier in the show. You can also find it in the show description in the actual, you know, if you're on the Whatever, whatever way you're listening to the podcast, it's in the, it's in the show notes every week as well. Before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast. Uh, you know, I also realize I owe you all, every single person listening to this, a, a quick apology because, you know, I, I'm always paranoid that I'm going to forget something when I go on a trip of any kind, no matter how short it is, no matter if I'm going to a totally foreign place or just a family member's house as it is in this case 
And I thought, okay, I've got my laptop, I've got the laptop charger, I've got a mouse, I've uploaded all the files I need to do the podcast to the cloud, and I've got my travel microphone. I've got everything I need. Well, nope. I realized while I was recording this, like 45 minutes into it, I went, oh shoot, I forgot my pop filter. So inevitably, I've probably, and I'm going to kind of say this away from the mic, I'm, I've, I've inevitably popped some peas on this podcast. Hopefully it has not been too annoying to listen to because I know that can be extremely annoying. So I do want to actually say a sincere apology to everybody listening to this because uh, the last thing I want is for, is for you to not want to listen to the podcast because it's physically annoying to listen to. So hopefully it hasn't been too bad and you've made it this far. Um, I will definitely have my filter back for next week's show when I'm back at home. Before I go, as I said, I want to mention some friends of Ride the Lightning that can hopefully help you out. Let me start with abstractocean.com, the sellers of so many wonderful aftermarket Tesla accessories. A lot of them are lighting-related, uh, whether you want to do the rear footwell lighting kit, which, as I always say, I think is great for the Model Y. If you want to do, like, you want to take the accent lighting kit in your 3 and Y, you know, that's kind of like down in your in your door pockets and down in, like, the lower footwells of the car, maybe you want to make those brighter because they're not super bright. They're fairly minimalist and subtle. It's like, if you want to brighten those up and or change their color, abstractocean.com has everything you need to do that. They also sell their awesome tempered glass screen protectors for the three and the Y that's custom fit, custom designed, ships with the um, the um, installation frame to just make sure you're going to get it on there nice and straight, nice and easy without too much hassle. So just go to abstractocean.com, take a look at everything they've got. You can browse by vehicle if that makes it easier. And pile everything you want into your cart. And when you get to checkout, enter the code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Thank you so much to abstractocean.com for continuing, after all this time, to offer that wonderful discount to listeners of this podcast who make it this far into the show. See, there's there are there are some you know rewards if you make it this far into the show every week. Next up, let me say hello and thank you to Immaculate Reflections, Jeff McGovern, the owner, proprietor, master detailer at Immaculate Reflections. He has once again taken amazing care of my car in 2021, and I look forward to him continuing to do so as needed in 2022. In 2021, what did I needed him? Let's see. He did... Was this the year that I screwed that I uh, screwed up the the paint protection film coming into my garage? Was that? I don't even. I I can't keep track of time anymore. But in any case, Jeff has. Uh, well, he did put in my door my illuminated door sill plates. I talked to you about that. I, we did that two months ago. So anyway, uh, if you're gonna have your car in the greater San Francisco Bay Area and you want to treat your car to a spa day, there is no better place that you can take it than Immaculate Reflections. Whether you'd like to do ceramic coating and thus you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years, that's a nice convenience. 
Maybe you want to do paint protection film over some or all of the body, maybe at least the front end. Protect against those rock chips and little bits of debris that, that inevitably come at you while you're driving. Maybe you want to do paint correction to take out any flaws in the paint that may have been there from the factory, may have been introduced since. In any case, uh, the professional detailing services of Immaculate Reflections are awesome, and I cannot recommend it enough. And you can go to Jeff's website, irdetailing.com, where you can get in touch with him. You can book with Jeff. And if you mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener, there is a discount waiting for you. So please do take advantage of that. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL. Nice, simple URL. Remember that. Go to that URL. That's your one-stop shop for all of your dash cam and sentry mode needs. I run the 128 gigabyte micro SD. I mean, everything they sell is micro SD based, but I've got the 128 gig kit in my car. It's $49 and it's shipped free anywhere in the US. It's plug and play right into the package, right into your car, ready to go. There's no formatting, no nothing that, that you need to do. Just throw it in there and you are set. You will have your sentry mode that's reliable. You will have the dash cam that's there for you if you need it. So get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. They also sell a nice wireless game controller kit. Uh, if you'd like to, you know, they, they're like Super Nintendo-inspired, you know, slim controllers, you know, sort of the, the, that are going to fit a little easier. They're, they're definitely slimmer and smaller than the, the bulkier Xbox controller, which, by the way, the Xbox controller is amazing. I think it's the best controller that's ever been made for a video game system, period. I think it's evolved to that point. The DualSense on the PS5 is great, but I'm, a, I'm an Xbox. I think that controller is perfection. But the, the nice slimline kit that Pure Tesla sells is really nice too. And it's, it's nice if you want to keep it in your center console in your, or in your glove box. It's a lot easier to keep those in there than it is a, a bigger Xbox controller. So you can also find that at puretesla.com slash RTL. And then my friends at Jada, they have a whole product line of wonderful premium aftermarket accessories, including the USB hub console for not just the legacy threes and Ys, but the new ones too with the new center consoles. Uh, so check that out. Also check out the Jada tray for uh, those. That's going to be more for, I guess, the earlier threes and Ys can use that. Uh, that's a nice way to kind of set, just just literally organize your center console. Does a great job of that. No tools to install that either, by the way. That just goes right in. Fits snug as a bug in a rug. Check that out. And then, of course, my favorite of Jada's products, which does not apply to those of you with 2021 and 2022 threes and whys, but if you've got a 2020 or earlier, you are not going to want to miss the Jada wireless charging pad. It is uh, a Qi compatible wireless charging pad for your smartphone or other Qi compatible device. It goes right in again, no tools to get this, this thing in and it looks stock. I love it. So uh, the coupon code there for another nice discount is RTL. But in return, I would love if you would uh, go to the referral URL so that uh, I get, they throw me a couple bucks if you buy something after arriving via the referral URL. So I'll give you the coupon code. Maybe you give me 
the referral link. So go to getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Let's see. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. That's about as far as my social media goes. But I'm on both of those. Same handle in both places. DMC underscore Ryan. A nod to my DeLorean days, which I will always treasure and be grateful for. DMC underscore Ryan. The Twitter is a lot of video game stuff as well because it's the... My Twitter's primary function is day job stuff, but there's the occasional Tesla chatter there. But my Instagram, DMC underscore Ryan, that is all Tesla. So if that's all you want, you can follow me over on Instagram. Uh, And if you are not already following or subscribing to the podcast, whatever your preferred podcast service calls it these days... You can do so for free on all the big ones. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on Google Podcasts. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on Spotify, which is Spotify's, of course, got the app in your car, Spotify Premium. And I have to add uh, TuneIn. I'm on TuneIn as well. But with V11, this new UI refresh we just got, I went back into TuneIn because I, ne- I honestly, I don't use it. I'm not a TuneIn user. I, as, as you've been made as it's been made clear uh it, based on my recent <laughs> griping i am uh i use i just listen to music via slacker in my car that's my preferred form of in-car entertainment but anyway tune in the this podcast is there in your car but it's so buried that i don't understand I, if and i guess what i'm trying to say here is if any of you out there work for tune in please email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or if you can point me to someone, because uh, I've tried emailing them before. It's the, the problem is if you search Tesla, I don't come up. And I don't understand how that's possible when in my podcast back end, all my keywords, like Tesla is a keyword. Tesla is in the name of the podcast. I don't know how the heck... You, that I don't come up on a search for Tesla. You, hact- you actually have to search either Ride the Lightning or you have to search my name. And my last name's a pain in the butt to spell, so I get it. Anyway, I would love to have my podcast come up when you search Tesla in your Tesla. That would be great. That's that's maybe my, uh, my New Year's wish for 2022 with regard to the, the in-car uh, setup. Anyway... Um, you can, so yeah, follow me on any of your favorite podcast services. That way the podcast just pushes to you automatically every Sunday at 9am Eastern, 6am Pacific, and you don't have to go and remember to track it down manually. Uh, finally, let me mention, of course, the Patreon, which you can find my page at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And Patreon is, as I you know, explain from time to time, that is the way that you can support this podcast should you voluntarily choose to do so. And my hope is that at some point, you know, maybe you're a new listener and you think, well, I'm not gonna, I just started listening to this. You, what am I, what, what am I gonna give you any support for? Um, and that's fine. I get that. I have to earn your support. I have to earn your trust. And I hope that if you stick with me week in and week out and you see that I'm here every single week like clockwork 
and hopefully you think the podcast is pretty good. And so anyway, if, if all those things are true, and at some point you think, you know what? Yes, I will support you, Ryan. Tell me how to do it. Well, you go to that site, patreon.com slash Podcast, and there are a number of support tiers there for you, each with different stacking perks that attach to them. So the higher up you go, the more perks you get. And, uh, and I guess, yeah, I'll mention, I think the thing I might have teased in recent weeks, if I didn't outright say it, the new... There's a new uh, monthly bonus episode. I've changed the format of it. It had been uh, the the extra monthly bo- monthly phone calls, the mo- extra phone calls that would come in on the hotline that I wasn't able to get to week in and week out. Well, I've changed it so that now you're getting a recording of our monthly Patreon Google Hangout. So that is, you get an hour of awesome Ride the Lightning community conversation with me and the uh, maximum plaid tier backers that jump in and participate in that. So uh, it's a full hour. And I again, I want to give a shout out to Kevin Yank, who is one of my, uh, my, pa- my plaid level Patreon backers. He saved me, saved my bacon on this first one. I Short version is I didn't realize that I needed a premium Google subscription to record a meeting. So Kevin had my back. Uh, I think he recorded it through OBS and now I'm all set up for next time. So I'll, I'll be fine from here on out. But thank you, Kevin, for recording this one for me. So it's up now for the ludicrous tier or higher. So that's the $10 per month tier or higher. You can listen to our awesome Ride the Lightning community chat. It's an hour long uh, every month. And I hope you enjoy that. I think that's going to be, I mean, they're very enjoyable for me to participate in. So hopefully you find them enjoyable to listen to. So if you're already at the ludicrous tier or higher on my Patreon, check that out. If you weren't already checking out the monthly bonus mini episode in its previous version. And if you're not at the ludicrous tier or higher on uh, my Patreon, maybe you'll want to check that out. Maybe you'll want to jump in at that ludicrous tier and and see what it's all about. And maybe you'll find that that's a a nice value add for you in addition to supporting the podcast. So anyway, check that out. Patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And with that, let me say thank you before I sign off to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space to your Patreon backers. Starting with the Plaid crew, thanks so much to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Nolan Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, The Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, not Elon Musk, and T. Kirk Lowry. And an extra big thank you to the Maximum Plaid Tier backers, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, 
Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, the aforementioned Kevin Yank, who actually, sorry, Kevin, you are a maximum plaid to your backer. Thank you so much. The Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, another Aaron, John Cody, Sonar Tech 77, and Andre Kent. And finally, an extra big thanks to the Roadster in Space tier backers. On top of everything else, these folks get a one-on-one Google Hangout with me every month. I told you, I think last time, last month, I or last week, I mentioned, I chatted with Lawton from Chicago recently, which was an absolute delight to talk Tesla and spend a little time with him. So thanks to the Roadster in Space tier crew, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, and Howard Anthony Smith. A sincere thanks to all of you backing me at those higher tiers on the Patreon. It makes a huge difference in my life and my family's life. It really, again, it does not get taken for granted. I promise you that much. Your support means so much to me. All right. With that, I should sign off. This has actually been a fairly long episode, but a fun one for me. I hope it's a fun one for you to listen to, minus those, those, uh, the lack of the pop filter, hopefully not making things too painful on the ears to listen to. But yeah, I really, I had a lot of fun this week writing up my New Year's predictions for all, uh, Eight, as of as it were. I mean, the ATV is not really like a, <laughs> you know, you're not operating that on public roads whenever it comes out. But yeah, doing those eight predictions plus the bonus prediction, I have fun doing those every year because it's like I try to be serious about it, right? Like I I I want to predict things that I think might realistically come true. So yeah, I, I fun putting that together. Hopefully, you enjoyed listening to it. And like I said, in a year, we'll come back and see how I did. So with that, I want to say a sincere Happy New Year to all of you. Again, you choose to spend an hour plus of your valuable time each week with me here sharing the love, sharing the enthusiasm of these cars that we all love, this company that we're all behind the mission statement of. Uh, You know, we're we're here because we enjoy this. It brings us happiness. It brings us joy. And those things in life should be embraced. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. And so thank you for wanting to, you know, help share the enthusiasm. And honestly, you guys, you guys bolster my own enthusiasm because of the the great feedback. You know, I get the tweets, the, the Instagram messages, the emails, the phone calls. I love hearing from you and just, and, and just sharing that enthusiasm for these cars and what this company is up to. It is just, it's such a treat for me to get to continue to do this. I mean, 2022 is now going to be what the seventh calendar year. No eighth calendar year. Wow. We're not at quite the, at the seventh anniversary of the podcast yet. Cause it was 
August 2nd, 2015 is when the first episode went up. So I'll I'll hit the seventh anniversary later this year, but this is going to be, this is the eighth calendar year that Ride the Lightning has existed in. That is pretty cool to think about. That is really, really fun. So, all right, I'm rambling now. I'll let you go because, again, your time is valuable. For the, well, uh, safe at home, Daisy the Boxer, and for Zoe the Puppy here in Arizona, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 335. Happy New Year, my friends, and I will see you back here same time next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.